0: Hey, everybody, welcome back to another bald move prestige film. Uh, this time we are taking a look at the 1982 legal thriller, The Verdict. It stars Paul Newman, as well as Charlotte Rampling, Jack Warden, James Mason, Milo O'Shea. Uh, I got to say that I don't know much about uh, these these folks. Usually I try to like, oh, you you'll know them from such roles as but I, I got nothing. I got nothing for most of these people, except for Paul Newman. Everybody knows, obviously. Paul obviously.
1: Uh, There are two people in here that you might know if you're a a 90s, 80s to 90s movie fan. Uh, You might also know the the Jack Warden who plays his like friend who's trying to kick his life back into gear uh, over the course of this movie. He was the grandpa in Problem Child. He was also the grandpa, I think, or no, he is Pops, which I think was. One of their dads in Dirty Work. Um, He was in Toys, that Robin that weird Robin Williams movie. So a lot of films
0: that I'm not familiar with, except for Robin Williams and Toys. I I do, but I've only seen that movie like once.
1: And Uh, he did a bunch of stuff
0: earlier than this movie too. Oh yeah, these guys probably know him from those. I think there are a lot of English and Irish actors, too, which might explain why, um, like, a lot of the names are ringing a bell because they're playing, you know, this is, it takes place supposedly in Boston. It's all filmed in New York, but uh, it's a time of Boston where there's still you can hear a lot of Irish lilt in the air in these communities. Oh, yeah. um, but it was directed by Sidney Lumet, which I have heard of, and he has directed a lot. He, these are just the Oscar nominees uh 12 angry men for best picture uh dog day afternoon network uh he's a pretty big uh you know uh, old school film film screenplay written by david mamet who is fairly famous for writing uh glenn gary glenn ross he kind of i in my mind he's more more like a like aaron sorkin in that he's like a dialogue specialist but he's much more brutalist in his approach it's much more you know, instead of witty and fast paced, it's more like savage and biting in the, in the dialect. But he's, he's written a lot of stuff. The Postman Rings always rings twice. The Untouchables. I like that movie a lot. Hoffa, Wag the Dog, Hannibal, uh, I think is his most recent based on the, a novel by the same name, The Verdict by Barry Reed. Um, y- the first time I saw this movie, you are I think went on a newman kick i don't know what caused it maybe it was that that damn uh pool movie Got the hustler yeah
1: kick. i didn't realize you had seen this before
0: okay did we watch it yeah, together you- we watched it together we were because we, oh. we were like kind of trading back and forth like movies ne- neither of us had seen or whatever and you're like have you ever seen the verdict and i'm like no nope. and or, may- or maybe it's because i we i don't know we were watching some other legal thing but anyway you said the verdict and i'm like okay let's watch it And I remember really, really liking it and thinking like, yeah, this is a great legal thriller. Uh, I watched it again today and I still appreciate it. But like, it's it's funny. Uh, We just talked about Amadeus, which is widely recognized as one of the greatest films ever made. This is widely recognized as one of the greatest legal thrillers ever made. And you said, you know, you're like, you know, with the Amadeus, like I don't exactly know why, like I understand why this is a good film and why this is an entertaining film and why it's uh, a, a great watch it's very watchable. I'm not sure why it's a great film. And I tried to pay attention because when I was doing my pre research, I saw David Mamet. I'm going to definitely pay attention to the, the, um, you know, the dialogue and uh, Sidney Lumet, Lumet with uh, 12 Angry men, the 12 anger men courtroom thriller. Okay. I'm going to be looking for that. And I did see a lot of like these flashes of stuff, but like, right the the court the just the courtroom theatrics struck me as kind of like uh, unplausible like like when the movie got to the results the verdict the actual verdict it it shocked me like mm-hmm. uh like I, I I'm like I don't see how we got here from there um and then the movie just kind of winds up uh so I, I maybe I have to see it more times but like I, I guess I'm gonna lean on you tell me tell me the greatness of this film Jim. What's your experience with it? Why do you like it so much? Et cetera, et cetera.
1: Uh, I think my, my feelings on it, my relationship with it have changed after having watched it at least three times. Um, and it's a movie that came out in 1982. So it's before a lot of the other courtroom thrillers, you know, except except like 12 angry man, obviously like came before this um, and sort of set the bar I would say after having seen this a few times, this movie doesn't quite hit that bar. I think I like 12 angry men better. Um, Mm -hmm. For me, this movie is all about the end and, and, and it's, it's everything from the speech he gives in summation of this court case up until the, the credits roll. Uh, And that's only like a two minute window there. Cause, cause this movie is very slow. Um and it's pacing, it takes yes. a long time to get started you're You're yes. watching Paul Newman sort of go about his life, which is very sad um and they're really like setting the stage for this guy has has experienced some downward spiral in his life um you know, and when the court case comes in, it, you know things hopefully will start to turn around for him who knows um but but by the end of the movie it it has picked up its pacing. A little bit when it gets to the actual courtroom stuff and you start experiencing like all the things you think about in courtroom dramas right where witnesses are are challenged and can't be pre- evidence can't be presented and uh people go missing and there's all sorts of opposition from the defense that's that's kind of where this movie picks up and really like grabs me um and then that ending, I think the ending of this movie is fantastic. I think everything from that speech to the end. I won't I won't say too much right now because we're not talking spoilers, but I really feel those moments strongly.
0: I no, I think you're right like the, the his closing statements, all that stuff is incredibly strong and, and the uh, cinematography is is really amazing, too, and what it's suggesting and what it's actually accomplishing and the fact that it's just this yeah. long ass take a complicated dialogue and. And motions and, and and the entire like you have this huge room with tons of people in the background. And the way they um, stage that
1: when, you know, depending on who he's standing next to and and where yeah. he wants the jury to look and where he wants the judge to look, things like that.
0: It's funny because, like, I think one of the problems I have this film is that, like, this is one of those movies that every other movie since bites from. Yeah. You yeah. know, and like there was a huge cottage industry in the '90s of legal thrillers. Like John Grisham single-handedly brought the legal right? potboiler back into the public. and there's like tons of them. Just made, made, made. And like I feel like the Rainmaker in particular, which I just saw like three months ago on a Lark, um, is like just a straight up better version of this movie. It's got huh. it, because I don't think one I've of my problems with this movie is like, well, I like when I read this, uh, they always frame the Robert Newman character as heroic,
1: right? Yes. The, the combination um, of Robert Redford and Paul Newman, Robert. Newman. Sorry. <laughs> I understand why you'd make that mistake. They're in basically every movie together.
0: Yeah. Yeah. When I, the Paul Moon is this heroic, this, this heroic figure. Um, But like, I don't know. He sees like a guy, like a mail clerk in world war two, that was assigned to deliver a, a letter a half mile down the road to another station behind enemy lines and took it upon himself to go to Berlin and try to murder Hitler and gets in all kinds of trouble wins three purple hearts and a congressional medal of honor but on the other hand dude you were just supposed to run the envelope down a half mile like all of this heroic shit is the stuff that you 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 yourself put yourself you know you, you put yourself in this situation imperiled a bunch of people and mm-hmm. you know um and then kind of survived by dumb dude luck uh and i feel like i don't know there's just um the relationship that he has with the woman, uh, there's like, you know, there's a romantic interest in this film that does not work for me at all um, other than mm-hmm. like, uh, well, we, like way said, we can't talk about the spoilers yet. Um, And the court, like, now I do like uh, the, you know, it's funny because like, when I watch the Rainmaker, it's clear like how much of the stuff it's cribbing from this movie and it's just like, oh, well, this didn't work, so Instead of having like a, you know, instead of our hero being kind of washed up, bitter alcoholic, let's make him like literally just out of law school, newly minted. He's an underdog, you know, instead of uh, this kind of hard bitten woman character that like, let's give him, you know, like there's all this like stuff that's like kind of an upgrade of this material. The one the one downgrade is uh, I can't remember who is it. uh, James Mason, is he the defense attorney? Uh, I think so. That sounds right. Yeah, because the he is just amazing. Like there, this <laughs> he's like
1: such a character. I I, I don't know. I he mean, is. he is he's he a is. character. Yeah,
0: but he's not played. It's weird because a lot of times these defense attorneys are played as very kind of slimy and sleazy. Where mm-hmm. this guy is just a master tactician. He's sure. got contacts in the press. He knows like months ahead of where you're at. What what he needs to do into the newspapers and the television interviews and the puff pieces. To like you know poison the jury well before you like he's doing he's doing next level jury tampering like hey let's just like like have a puff piece on how these many lives these doctors save six months before the trial just so that's kind of percolating and uh, he's he's kind of like grandfatherly and you know genteel and well mannered he's not wearing like fancy suits he's kind of like you know tweed professor jacket stuff and he tie. might be one of my favorite evil defense attorneys of all time.
1: He's great. I could totally see him in a Sorkin uh a Sorkin kind of role too. Um yeah, I, I yeah. don't know that he could necessarily pull off the the quick dialogue, but uh I don't know the way he talks is so like unique and and mm-hmm. honestly funny to me at times. Uh-huh. just uh, I don't know. It, it's I have a hard time looking past the the way the actor is doing the thing that the actor is doing to see how good this character is because I don't know I get distracted by it. Um he's good but, though. Uh, like I I'm not I'm not going to lie. I really do enjoy the scenes where you know he's talking, he's consulting with his legal team and and you know you see the the way they juxtapose the legal team of the defense with the legal team of the two dudes right. in the shitty bar, you know, uh pouring over the the old files that they've had in their desk for 18 months and didn't even look at. Yeah. Right, right. Good stuff there. Yeah,
0: and that's that's one of the other funny things is like Newman's constantly referring to his staff. You know, right. oh my staff is the oh my staff's doing that, and he's just like he has he has nobody. His staff this, is Mickey. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. Do you want to do you want to get into? Uh, I can introduce the uh, movie because I imagine a lot of people haven't seen this. Yeah, uh, and then we can talk. We can talk uh, after that. If we can take a break and then talk spoilers. Sure. Okay, so this movie, The Verdict, is about a lawyer. Uh, played by Paul Newman, who you get the idea through drips and drabs of the story, was this amazing young attorney. Uh, this is a school, law school prodigy, uh, courtroom ace, somehow got involved in a jury tampering scandal, got drummed out of his high-profile uh, uh, partnership, and has hit the rocks, has been you know a decade on of failed cases and, and falling into the depths of crippling alcoholism. And his old, I think, mentor is his dude. Maybe he went to law school with him or maybe he was a teacher of his in law school or something like that is trying to give him lifelines. And he set him up this plum case. All he's got to do is walk in there. It's ripe for settlement, get a settlement and then try to rebuild his life. Um, It's the case of a young woman, uh, a mother who went in pregnant to a Catholic hospital to get to give birth. And through a series of medical accidents and perhaps negligence uh, end up in a coma uh, that she is never going to recover from. She's she's in a permanent vegetative state and her family wants to sue the doctors and hospital involved to to get the money to pay for her care. Um, He gets into his head that he is going to refuse to settle and he's going to take he's going to expose these doctors and this institution for what they are and the mistakes they've made. And against everyone's wishes, even the families like he just goes fucking maverick, rogue, uh, probably some disbarring offenses he commits. And of course, this film and he just tries it, it's just, it's him versus everybody. He's taken on the world, the judge, the defense, the well-keeled defense attorneys, the Catholic Church, uh, the, the idea of medicine in its entirety. He's, <laughs> he's going to take it down in and, and, and the, the half of the film takes place in just courtroom battle. Um, and then you get to the verdict. Is he actually going to win with all these crazy risks, with all his personal foibles, with all the stacks, the, the decks stacked against him, is he going to be able to win? That's mm-hmm. the question. And called the verdict. So it's kind of a, it could be a surprise, maybe it's not.
1: Um, so not that's, that's the film. All right. Let's
0: uh, take a break and then get back to talking
1: about it. Can I start with one of the most confusing things about this movie? for me and maybe sure. clear it up a little bit. I am very much not aware of how religious medical institutions work. And so when they start showing this, I, I don't know, I don't even know what he is. Like, uh, he could be the Pope for all I know this dude in all these religious getups. And he is at the building you know, that he calls Paul Newman over to to talk about the settlement. And I'm like, why is this religious guy mixed up in this medical case? And I see that the building he's going to is the same building that this guy exists in. But also the patient is there. I I, I get very confused and eventually I had to like try and figure out, OK, this must be a combination like hospital slash religious Thing and they keep referring to it at the, at the archdiocese, which I don't know what any of that means. Do you have any insight to that stuff? Uh, a
0: little bit. I wasn't prepared to discuss, but so a diocese is just essentially a district of the church. Okay, you know, like a confederation of churches that all have like either a bishop or a cardinal over, and an archdiocese is kind of like you know the large a, a collection of those. Okay, um, and I think those are per continent. Like you have a North, maybe there's, maybe there's two in North America, but you know, you've got like an archdiocese of this, that, and the other. Um, As far as the medical, like, I, I don't know how Catholic hospitals are administered. I imagine that like, like a lot of hospitals, you have civilian leadership, you know, the people are uh, involved in the maintaining of the building and the contracts and the the money. And you've got the medical administration, which are the actual doctors, the practice medicine and all there. And I, I imagine the Catholic hospital, you've got like a third leg, which is the church itself, which is bankrolling the operation, you know, or like <laughs>
1: definitely paid like it's they, they've got their hand in the pie. Is that what you mean? Because like bank, yeah. what do you mean bankrolling? Because medicine bankrolls itself.
0: It's true. But like, you in know, when country, like, there's in, indigent patients that can't pay, um, you know, and they're, they're allowed some some degree of leeway because every t- single time there's any kind of reproductive healthcare. Law, like in terms of abortion in terms of uh um what do they call that baby preventing stuff birth control uh-huh <laughs> when it comes to baby prevention uh the Catholic Church tends to like uh flex its muscles and try to carve out exceptions for their doctors and nurses and what that work with in their hospital because obviously of course they have religious exceptions um and how they 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 view that kind of stuff, but i don't i don't I don't know to to what extent they're successful and all that stuff yeah i I got but, but obviously this guy is kind of like, you know, especially when talking 50 years ago, I think you're supposed to see him as like the hospital administrator.
1: Yeah. He's like the yeah. money guy. Um, For sure. Um, and, yeah. And so like eventually I, I figured out that, okay, he's going to this place, which is a hospital, but also run by the, the Catholic church. Um, I was just confused by it.
0: Yeah. I think that's where there's a little, it's even more salacious because you know, like if uh, it's the Catholic church trying to protect its own image and Mm -hmm. it's, it's charitable work here. It's not just these doctors for money. It's, it's like, there's a whole, you know, and then also I understand like in Boston, you know, a Catholic church is even a bigger deal, uh, especially during this time. There's a lot of stuff that's like of its time in this film, like the reaction to the black expert doctor witness, Yep. Um, smoking you know, the, in,
1: uh, restaurants,
0: right. The extreme, the extreme religiosity that's still sh- shown in these, these neighborhoods. But, um, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, I like how they effortlessly portray like sketch Newman's character, you know, like he, he's the opening shot of him hanging out at a bar playing pinball. Then I've heard of ambulance chasers before. I've never heard of a hearse chaser yeah where like that seems like even a lower class where you're just walking up to widows and being like yeah it's a it was a shame what happened to your husband here's my card oh, and I literally
1: it. sticking it into their hand and they're non-responsive it's like oh god right right like i said you know it's like we were talking to
0: living victims that you can like but like when you're just going to the bereaved it seemed like it's even And the, the movie treats it like he gets thrown out yeah uh he gets bounced from the, one of these funerals uh and you know he's got a friend that's trying to help him out, and he's doing that uh you know, push this guy away, like, "What are you, my nanny?" And the guy's like, "Well, yeah, you know, I guess somebody should be you need, you need <laughs> right. a lot of help." Yeah they do, um, but
1: they- yeah, the the way they they portray him, uh i get I get a sense of his routine, you know, um his breakfast, let's call it, where he goes to the bar, he drinks a couple of shots, he plays a bunch of pinball, he drinks apparently a couple of eggs in a couple more glasses or in another glass of something, beer, I don't know. Whiskey, if he's I don't got court that day, if he's got court that day, sure. <laughs> right, right. I get the, I get egg, the idea get that protein. that is his idea of breakfast. Um, and he does that basically every morning, which I guess what, what is that drink? Is, is it is a lazy fizz. It's like, like Oh, I could know, make a fizz. Is. I could, I could, you know, aerate the yolks and pour on, or I could just dump the whole fucking <laughs> egg in and drink it. And maybe I'll be Rocky. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. They they
0: do have a name for that. I don't. I've I've never been that kind of drinker. That I'm I'm adding raw eggs and shit to <laughs> the concoction. You know. No. Um. But uh, they, he also is like this guy. So he's he's destitute, but he does spend like. You know, you, you show him holding court at this bar late at night, and he's buying people rounds, so and you kind of get the idea, so he can just talk about his glory days. You know, like yeah. he doesn't have any friends. He. He's always on the lookout for a woman, you know, that he can convince is, uh, you know, he's, he's still a hotshot lawyer and he can take her home and try to stave off total collapse into depression, and decrepitude one more day. He's just, and the, the thing I think is interesting about this movie is he never loses that aspect. Like mm-hmm. he is white knuckling his alcoholism, the entire movie, um, sure. And you can see his like, you know, the effects of hangovers and frustration and inebriation, like coloring all the different things that happened in this film, which I thought was interesting.
1: Yeah. And you can see that over the course of the movie, there are different things that sort of push him to to drinking. At first, it's just his life, right? He just sits around. That's what he does. Um, And then, you know, as the case gets tougher and as obstacles mount, you sort of feel the weight of that pushing him toward it. I think by the end of this movie, he has virtually stopped drinking um though i'm I, I couldn't pinpoint when that turn happens because it is pretty gradual mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in fact i had missed that like i when we were
0: discussing it before we started recording this podcast i take i took a completely different interpretation of that final scene because i didn't i thought he was drinking irish coffee
1: <laughs> uh. <laughs> oh
0: okay yeah, to, to use a racially insensitive to, to, uh, to swear against the Irish folks. He's drinking. I I thought that that was the like that they were telling me that he uh had saved his client improbably, but he had not saved himself. Um, that he huh. was like, you know, this phone call is going to keep this phone call. Like I thought I was telling that it kept on going on. He didn't like take the phone off the hook. He didn't hang up. It's like a, a, a it's a call, and the way he kind of puts his head back, closes his eyes, like eventually he's going to pick up that phone, and it's going to you know obviously not literally mm-hmm. lead him to destruction, but it's he's the cycle will eventually repeat. Nothing has fundamentally changed about his life other than he got a victory. Because I also I felt like the victory is kind of sort of unearned. Um, like um. this guy. Mm-hmm. That's the thing like this guy felt it feels like um it was less reliant on his skill as a lawyer and him just kind of like bumbling around, stepping on rake after rake after rake, and eventually one of the rakes
1: snapped because i yeah well, um, it, yeah, to me, it felt like he was trying to run a marathon, and there was this shitty defense attorney in a bow tie throwing rakes in front of him the entire time, and he keeps yeah. stepping on him, and then eventually. He, he's able to, like, sidestep one of those rakes, but then he steps onto another rake the judge throws in front of him. And, and then, uh-huh. like, everybody on the sidelines realizes, oh, shit, they just threw a bunch of rakes in his face. Maybe uh-huh. we should just declare him the winner.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's like a very early on in the courtroom battle when they're talking about that, uh, his expert witness that did go so well. He says, you know, the jury every once in a while surprises you with the capacity they have to hear the truth. And I think that's literally what happened. Yes. And I I find some of that stuff like, I, th- I know I've talked about this in Better Call Saul, but like every time I see uh, a devastating piece of evidence and then objection, sustained, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And then the judge turns to the jury and's like, look, I want all y'all to fucking man in black style mind wipe yourself. Yeah. Cannot consider this evidence and, and ruling the guilt or innocence. And I'm always like, do they really, uh, there's like, there's no fucking way that that can't, like when you're talking about things like, and I know this is a civil case, so this is more preponderance of evidence. This is more, are you 50-50 or you 51 49% sure of guilt or innocence mm. but like when you're talking shadows of doubt like that's literally what we're talking about right like and i understand why the court is set up to do that because honestly i didn't find the the the, the star witness that compelling like it seems the rules of evidence are put in to prevent stuff like that Oh this person come flying in 4 years later with a recollection and a photocopy that they we have the original but the photocopy they say like like that seems like that's pretty shitty evidence just by the rules of um you know like we know that this lady is trustworthy and has because right. the movie's letting us know that it's got a you know like an initiate narrator and the doctors are the real assholes and all that kind of stuff but like I I don't I don't know and that's kind of why I but that's the things like this movie so stacks the deck. I couldn't believe mm-hmm. it. I forgot that the judge himself comes in during cross examination, or I go no direct examination, and like starts hectoring the witness from his fucking judge
1: booth. Like, yeah, wild, cra- like this on the pale. That's like automatic mistrial, right? I, like, right. If, and it, Newman threatens it, yeah, immediately after that.
0: So is the idea that this guy's playing with house money from that point? Like he, like even if he loses, it's going to be a mistrial, and they'll be able to 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 try the case again.
1: It could be. That's certainly what I thought when he, you know, left the judge's chambers after that confrontation. Um, I was Mm. thinking, okay, well, at any time he could pull this card, you know, admit the transcript and to, you know, send that to the board, whatever, um, and get this thing thrown out or or tried over again. I I feel like. This movie where this movie shines is is maybe, you know, not in the details and like in in exactly what should and should not be considered evidence, mm-hmm. because I mean, like you said, everything is everything is stacked against him, um, including the biases of the judge. Mm-hmm. Um, very clear biases to me. The thing that really makes this movie at the heart of this movie is the speech that he gives at the end the summation speech where he just says it, it, you know th- there's there's a depiction of his life um in that speech there's a summation of his entire uh career and his entire life after this jury tampering uh charge and he got mm-hmm. where he's pouring into this speech and he's saying we are so often looking at the law and saying This feels unjust a- everything about this system, everything about those you know technicalities that throw out a document that's you know and the testimony of a witness who makes a case and and gets justice for somebody is is thrown out all of that shit it feels like baggage, and you don't you can't do anything about it because the people who are propping up that system want it to be that way and they are more powerful than you. They have the ability to to stack the deck. And in this scenario now, as he's talking to the jury, he's saying we have the opportunity. And I think he he's very much he's saying you have the opportunity, but I think he's saying this is also my opportunity. You know, this is the reason I took this case, the reason I refused to settle, because this is my opportunity to finally experience a little bit of justice. And you can do that as a jury you have the power right now in this moment jury nullification. yeah yeah um, and, and that to me is the heart of it like when you you start to just like truly understand this guy's perspective through his entire life in those final moments of the the movie and that's why i like it so much hmm i thought so did they ever, and maybe you know this
0: because you've seen it more than me, but did they ever explain why he got railroaded on these jury tampering charges? <laughs> like, what instigated that? Like, hmm. Like, it sounded like someone had it out against, against him. And I also didn't know the names well enough that, like, they might have been talking about the judge. Like, this is like an old standing legal grudge or something. But, yeah, I don't know. He, like, uh, you understand that they're trumped up charges or he was framed framed. for this, but Mm they, okay. But they, they, they just state that like, it's always like, I think it's um, by the time the movie directly addresses it, you're hearing it like secondhand from his best friend slash advisor. He's talking to his girlfriend about it. And he just kind of like, like, but like, I, I, yeah, it just didn't make sense. Like, why would this guy get ran out?
1: Well, and the Um, fact that he doesn't actually get disbarred um, tells me that the charges probably were false. Right yeah like or, he or he had an immense amount of sway um being you know a hotshot lawyer right but she could have he could have he was like they
0: set him up as he's like this rising star and you know he had a lot of uh obviously probably had a lot of
1: friends uh,
0: but right there that's that the that's
1: the injustice right the 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 system screwed him there he's been living with that ever since and it's been destroying his life he's spiraled downward his his wife left him uh he got kicked out of the firm he went to jail for a while on these charges. Um, yeah, and you can you can feel that like he's been searching or he, he's he been jaded, right? He's been making himself the victim, like he says in that speech this entire time since then. And now mm-hmm. he's finally trying to dig himself out of that. And the jury here has the opportunity to to do that on a legal uh, playing field, I guess.
0: Yeah, it's definitely. I feel like the, the loose connection because when he's, um, so he's, I think just going through the motions. He's taking Polaroids of this young woman who's in a vegetative state in this, this hospital ward. And as the Polaroids are developing, he gets this like look on his face. It's like the scene that takes two minutes long. Like you're watching, you're literally watching photos develop and you're watching, uh, Paul Newman flop sweat about this internal Royal that's going on inside of him. And he walks out and decides, He's not going to take this settlement. Um, And you think it's because it's, it's because he's angry about the injustice to the woman, but he even directly states, if I take this money, I'm lost, which I feel like that, that weakens the central uh, premise of the movie that he's like, you know, trying to get justice for this girl. Like, I think it's pretty, like, I think you're actually laying it out that it's pretty naked on the face reading that he doesn't care so much about getting justice for this family. And the girl is that like, this is him litigating his entire life for right? sure. this thing that happened to her was unjust. And she got steamrolled by more powerful people who are covering up for their tracks and doing all this. And she get ground up. And so did I, and by God, if I can get, you know, a lot of money for this family, then, you know, uh, yeah, But it's such an cre- incredible risk. Like, I thought, like, mm-hmm. um, it was hard for me not to turn against Paul Newman when the brother-in-law confronts him and is like, what the fuck, man? You were going to, you, we could have got $210,000 and been done with this thing. You know, what do you think? He's got yeah. this speech about, uh, you know, people like you do these things and make these decisions and people right. like us. And he's talking about his wife and, and him, the little people are left to pay the, the, the butcher's bill for it. Which I thought would then um, have some impact on Newman cause Newman could realize, Oh, I'm the big wig to this guy. It's yeah, grinding sure. him up in my, but like, I don't feel like that ever, maybe he's still too uh, much of an alcoholic. But I don't feel like that ever changed his his viewpoint on on the case or anything or like
1: no i don't extra dedicated him to it or no it didn't change it um but at, at that moment in the movie you're supposed to be thinking exactly that right like oh yeah no this this could actually be ruinous to this family it could be ruinous to him if this doesn't succeed um and and they have these these competing pressures too because his wife uh the the sister of the victim here does not mm-hmm. want to settle i don't believe i i think she actually wants justice but they don't dwell on that a ton Aww. they they have once once this husband steps in he's kind of front and center and putting the pressure on newman to settle but i i think there are scenes in this movie that show that she does not want to settle she wants justice but she's unwilling to speak up over her husband who wants to get this money you know he's talking about like i i'm the working man you know i'm I work hard to do all this and then you just piss it away, whatever. That's his perspective. I think hers is very different. And that's what. Okay. that's the tension here, right? Is like, is he going to risk everything, both his own reputation and life in order to maybe against all odds win a case and the entire time be shit on by the client? until hopefully he's proven right or man if he's proven wrong here if he loses this case holy shit he's just not oh, only destroyed yeah. himself but them too yeah he's flushed
0: the whole lives down the toilet along with his that's where it's like right. that's or if he like does the, the
1: other thing if, if he doesn't pursue this case is the wife going to be pissed off right the sister of the victim is right. she gonna be feeling like this justice hasn't been done lose faith in the system lose you know make herself the victim the rest of her life like there's I, sure. I really find those competing uh, pressures interesting in this movie. Huh? Yeah, it's interesting because like, I, I was
0: comparing this movie unfavorably to the Rainmaker, and I think that the way that the Rainmaker neatly sidesteps that is he ha- they have the lawyer essentially get the family on board with the legal strategy. Like, yes, this is a settlement. Yes, it's considered generous, and you can take it right now, and it will allow you to provide for this, that, and the other but these people are fucking whores and they need to be taken down and the whole family gets on board with it. But whereas this it's like, he's kind of like takes it upon himself and it's just like, it's, just all fraught morally. Um, oh, yeah. and then, you know, like they're talking about this, uh, big time defense attorney and he's doing shit that should get him disbarred. Like I'm, it's gotta be some kind of form of baritry, <laughs> some kind of legal mispractice to hire someone to seduce the plaintiff's attorney and give oh, you is. inside information about yeah it's yeah when be,
1: Mickey discovers it he's like oh you got your
0: mistrial you know right 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 thing.
1: but of course of
0: course fucking Newman doesn't want that he wants to, to yeah. get him by the throat but then the very next scene Newman is busting into some school teacher's mailbox stealing her phone records yeah so that he gets so like yeah um, the, yeah and I, I kind of because there's some of that in Rainmaker too but it's always in response to the other person's dirty deeds and it affects the other it it, it 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 only affects and I made as Grisham just learning from this, like, okay, what are the, I'm watching this and modernize what are the moral pitfalls? Where are the places where as an attorney, I'm like, Oh, that's not, that's not advocacy for your client. And mm-hmm. I like doing those making tweaks and stuff. And this is just like the alpha version um, or begin the movie that that's the thing of the, the risk of seeing these movies are hugely influential. If you've seen all the things that influence them is it feels like a paler less exciting, less ref, less reform, um, refined version of what you've already seen. Sure. And I, I will say, I say that about this because I think the performances alone elevate this and like the camera work, which is yeah, not flashy, but it does things like in that final one, this is like a one minute legal take. The camera starts off as far as I can tell, like three blocks outside of the courthouse shooting into a window because the courtroom is enormous. All these, you see the marble statues, you see the, the, the wood paneling, the flags, all these people. And Newman looks very small and throughout his whole speech, it keeps on pushing in and pushing in and pushing in. And then Newman gets to the play. He gets up and starts animated and talking about these very things. Like what is the justice? What is the court? Is it the wood paneling? Is it the marble statues? Is it this, or is it like our human concepts of justice? And where do those go? It's like and as and as he's saying this, like the camera is now pushed into where only Newman is like just his head filling the frame, and it's doing such a great like uh like underpinning the script. Like you're going from this yeah. one man who's against this in, the vast system, impressive system, to bringing it down to just a human level. Like, do you trust me? Do you trust my witness that that all she wanted to be was a nurse and these assholes ran her out of town, threatened her job and all that kind of stuff, ruined her career? Or do you believe these, 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 you know, shyster attorneys and, and doctors? Um, and I, I thought that was that that was really cool. And it's something that like and especially like I, I noticed it all towards the end of the scene. And then I realized, oh, shit, this has just been one take. Uh, yeah, and I guess, yeah, Newman did this, and, and this, there's no trick photography at all. He, he delivers this, like, five-minute soliloquy with a bunch of camera moves and stuff, all, all off all off the cuff. Yeah, some uh, of those old-school actors, sweet. man, really good at that stuff. Uh, well, I guess this is something that they also don't do anymore, which is the director had them do three weeks of rehearsal as <laughs> if it was a stage play. Yeah, Before they even like, you know, like that, that they still, I know maybe some people still do that, but like you can do a lot of polished things when, cause what's a, what's a fucking stage play except for a three hour -er, Mm oneer you know, with maybe an intermission, but like you can do that, but it takes a lot of practice and a lot of precision, a lot of discipline. And I don't feel like the
1: kinetic pace of films today kind of lends itself to that. Uh, let's, let's play a little podcast volleyball here. I'm going to bump is so that you can set me up for the spike uh okay. talk about the cameo that you told me about in this
0: movie so as i talked about the camera pushing in on paul newman you might notice that sitting between the brother-in-law and sister of the victim uh very prominently is a very young bruce willie wow
1: you showed me full, this photo like, on my that is remarkable because he would have been. Of course, he would have been a big star by this point, right? Eighty-two. That's got to be around the time that Die Hard came out. No, no, I was, was totally wrong. about
0: Four. He was still. I mean, if you talk about the, this being filmed in eighty-one, he was still about four years away from moonlighting. Uh, seven, eight years away from Die Hard. This was like uh, a very. But this thing is, he doesn't look really young.
1: Has you Bruce know? Willis
0: ever looked young? I, I don't know. I would love to see like a high school photo of him because yeah. he might have just come out looking like 35. Some people some people kind of do that. So, so that was
1: the thing like I, it, I I misremembered how early Die Hard happened and then you were like oh yeah I know it happened much later. It was 88 and that's why it looks so good. It looks more like a 90s film almost and when I get the when I watch this movie I get the sense that this is a movie of an era right. This is like slightly modernized Godfather. This is like the conversation era Mm. um, with Gene Hackman. It has that feel to it. And there are specific shots in this movie that make me think that Um, one of them is I know exactly the ones you're talking about. The one where uh, Mickey goes to New York before Paul Newman is going to meet with Laura and tells him outside of the bar that they're going to meet in that she's a spy. Mm -hmm. Um, We haven't really talked about her yet, but I assume we will that shot is shot from above and it's Mm -hmm. shot down on them while they're on the street and there's no audio except for the street noise so -hmm. you can't hear what they're saying but you can see their physical reactions from a distance that feels like the conversation where you're spying over the plaza right. Yeah,
0: those, those long telephoto lens shots of them, uh, I, I thought the exact same damn thing. Like, this feels like we're watching What's-Her-Face and dudes fuck around in the plaza, you
1: know? Right, right. And if you had the secret mics on them, you'd be able to hear that conversation, but we don't. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then you've got other shots, like when they go to visit, or when, when uh, Frank goes to the hospital to see... What's the doctor who is going to testify that you know yeah this the, the give one a deposition. like like
0: like like, it's like yeah these guys are assholes and i'm i'm gonna torch him his star witness that didn't just fucks off to the off. caribbean
1: forgets think about gets, it i
0: don't know no 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 that was definitely the defense attorneys and the catholic church's work they sit him on a vacation like hard okay.
1: yeah 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 that makes sense. Um, but the shot where he's he's walking through the building, talking to him, it's all shot from outside the windows looking in mm-hmm, through, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you got the darkened outside and the well-lit interior and you're kind of following them down the stairs as they go. Uh, I, I really liked all those shots and it feels like an Very era, a uh, specific era, because you can do that stuff nowadays, but it's it's done a little differently. Usually that's why I was about to say is like this is a little bit of style without
0: a purpose because like I'm not I wasn't sure what they were trying to suggest with this voyeuristic I mean the conversation
1: well, obvious. I mean, yeah, yeah. Of course. You know,
0: or like like well, usually when you see these techniques in modern films, it's supposed to suggest a uh usually nefarious third party listening
1: in. Well, I think it is, you know? right? It's the defense attorney's team uh oh, keeping tabs on him. It is what I Because read from it. they've got the spy. Okay. Right. Yeah, the okay. whole time he's being spied on. Not, just, completely from, not just by Laura, but by the whole team, right? They probably have six people just following him around. I for completely forgot
0: the plot about her being the double agent. Um, And it was a bomb when I realized. I think I realized Same before here. they actually revealed it um, because they mentioned the uh, how good is it? Because this this defense attorney um, is making these very definitive statements about like, oh, this is happening. This is happening. He's going to do this and that. And someone I think the the cardinal remarks about your how good is your intelligence? He's like, it's very good. But I'm like, fuck, fuck. That's right. She is. She's like spying on them because she's got she's in some kind of like you, you get the feeling that she is where paul newman was 15 years ago she's fought, run afoul of some powerful individual and she's fucked up somehow legally and they're trying to ruin her career yeah it's and with this her, is her way to get ex, back into
1: it right there, there, there's something they leave it kind yeah, of nebulous hey, but there's something with her ex because he was work. a lawyer he probably worked at the yep. firm and when they broke up he mm-hmm. probably i don't know got her thrown out another another basic injustice Um, right
0: but that's the thing it's like so like every single time I want to get on like I thought the movie was zigging me on the feeling for Paul Newman they immediately pulled the rug out from underneath it. like I'm like oh he's actually getting moved by this young woman's plight and he wants to get justice oh no this is still about him oh God this is such a brutal betrayal like man I this guy he does I don't he doesn't deserve this and he just goes and punches her Full yeah. on, like punches are like a man in a bar. And she's like, yeah. No, 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 I deserve that. As I mean, she's a, she did deserve her... it, but B, my eyes I mean, bugged out of thing. my head when that happened. Holy shit. Yeah, like people deserve shit to get punched all the time. Number one, should you ever punch a person? Number two, should you ever punch a person that much weaker than you? Surely not. Oh, yeah, good, good points. But, <laughs> but yeah, the did movie she does it? that and just yeah no she 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 was being a bear but also did she deserve the fucking pressure that she was feeling that got let her into that and which that's right. the other thing is like you get the idea that like this is causing her to spiral in exactly the same way yes. newman did and i love that so like, that's why i
1: like that ending so much with the phone call yeah, because it's she's fucking bleak laying in her hotel bed with a bottle of booze beside her just totally disheveled right where you the the state you see paul newman in at the beginning of the movie she's now dropped yeah. to there. And she's calling him, trying to. I don't know. There's some bit of sadness to the end of this for her story because for sure she is trying to to do something here, right? She's calling him for a reason. I don't think it's to continue spying on him. It's probably to apologize. It's probably to see if she can make amends somehow. Would she actually follow through with that? I don't know. Um, But you get you get the impression that like. Him not answering the phone is good for him, but bad for her. It might be what he needs at the time. It might be exactly what she doesn't need. But man, how can you fault him for it? It's yeah, there's a a tinge of sadness to the end of that, especially for the, the Laura character
0: yeah again like my interpretation was wildly different from that i think i think you're you're right uh because i just misunderstood the final scene <laughs>
1: yeah uh, i mean I if you think he was, he's sitting there with a the, like, coffee full of jack then yeah it's a little different yeah, but
0: yeah i thought i even saw him pour something into it no gosh I, it's one of those things like darrenstein so. things where like i yeah like, I, I i thought sure i saw him putting something but like he's Dude, should, like he's, uh, Newman's got a lot of stuff, and I guess this was something I, I, I learned in my researching, but like a lot of this stuff was him suggesting. Like, I don't know whether Newman spent a lot of time as an alcoholic or has some friends, but like him constantly, like, um, putting stuff in his mouth to hide his breath that's got a reek of alcohol when he's talking to a client, him squirting, eye, you know, uh, red, red eye reliever drops into his eyes to try to, like, you know, sober himself up and, and look presentable. Yeah, Um, he's 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 doing a lot of that stuff throughout the movie. This like little things um, in his performance, like the way
1: he's slightly more Irish when he's drinking. Yeah, let's talk about that, because I I found some of the Irish accents in here to be very bad. Um, Some of them are good. Some of them are just God awful it It struck me as like Paul Newman is the only person in this movie not doing an Irish accent. and when I see all these bad Irish accents around him, I'm like, That is such a shame because he's the guy who does the best Irish accent in Road to Perdition. <laughs> so
0: like yeah, it, yeah I, I feel like you're wasting the
1: talent of the fake Irish accent here. Let's let's get on board with it. I wonder
0: because a lot of those guys I think that you're saying have bad fake Irish accents are actually Irishmen, but they're
1: trying to sound like bostonians well there's also i think laura is french probably um right. because I, I hear a tinge of french in her accent and it's yeah ev- everybody's really like, off in this movie the,
0: the, the like the irish accent in boston even from like is is drifted yeah. just like um i hear that the Quebecis speak french with like what what frenchmen call like a like a hick accent like <laughs> okay. a rural like, sure. a, like a, a rural accent um so like I it'd be hilarious if like the actual Irishmen are the least Irish sounding because they're trying to do some kind of bastardized Bostonian Irish accent.
1: I, I thought the worst the Patty's bar kind of yeah. accent. <laughs> right. Um I, I thought the worst accent, and, and probably this is what kicked off this whole thing for me and made me think, oh, there's some bad accents <laughs> in here. It's the uh-huh. sister of the victim, whose name mm. I don't know. Uh she tries to do right. an accent early on in this movie when she meets for the first time with Newman. And I'm like, oh, no, oh, they should have just had you be, you know, fifth generation, fully like American accent, because my God, you're trying to do a Boston accent that is not good. Right,
0: right. Yeah, she's coming a little bit like Nicole Kidman from what was that Irish immigrant movie Home and Away or Homebound or something? Yeah, t- I haven't she's, seen it. She's a little little Lucky Charms. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what she's doing there yeah um what so there's a couple other things I don't understand do you know why the judge got cold feet with for collaborating with the defense attorney like around the third act of the film like he started calling ball like started calling strikes and balls fairly but it looked like against his better judgment like I could have sworn that I missed a scene of like Paul Newman like dropping evidence that he like, look here's I I got a check stub. You taking payment from fucking the Roman Catholic Church or whatever? Did I miss something? Or I don't think just, so. Did he get to be too much for the judge even to stomach the the evidence that he was seeing?
1: It might have been. Um, and there is that scene early on where Frank threatens to to bring it to the you know the association, the the board, whatever mm-hmm. of lawyers there, and get a mistrial. And maybe that put him on his back foot a little bit. He's still a dick through a lot of it, though. And oh, for sure.
0: For sure. I, I don't think
1: that was the totality of it, but you're right. It feels like there is something missing there. And as well, it feels like there's something missing when Laura and, and Mickey have this conversation about Frank. Um, they're they're mm-hmm. sitting in the bar and they're talking like they're old friends here. They're talking like mm-hmm. they haven't just met that moment. Because um, this thing takes place in the span of a week, right? Yeah, yeah. The trial... I think was 10 days out when the movie starts. And then over the course of five
0: days, it gets advanced uh, five days and a judge did
1: does not grant a stay um, or a a delay rather. Yeah. Less than a week. And and she's just talking to him like, Oh, we, we clearly have a relationship here when they never did in the movie. So I don't know. Um, And now it, it, it kind of fixes a little bit of that when you find out she's a spy and she would have a lot of incentive to come talk to his best friend. Yeah. Be talkative over drinks and stuff. Yeah. yeah. But also
0: like the fact that she worked her
1: way into that much
0: confidence. I mean, they do kind of establish the fact that that's kind of what he does. Like he looks for a bar fly to take home and they know where he, cause they yeah. know that that's, I also thought it was good is like to show the it's, it's great. Cause it showed the core competency of the defense staff when they're like, Oh, this is the lawyer and here's all we know about him. He's this and yeah. that and that, which kind of is our first introduction to Frank. Um, But it also, you know, tells us a lot. It it tells us a lot about Frank. It also shows their their competence. But like, I think they would know what bar he frequents because he always goes to the same damn one. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like, hey, if we get a kind of like a lady like this to sit in the bar that she can probably get in really easy. And there's a lot of this movie. Like, I feel like it doesn't hold your hand, which I like. But also maybe also the film, because here's another example. That nurse that's that was refusing to go on the record and it was protecting the other nurse, Kate, the Kate, Casey, I forget what her her name is. Yeah. The admitting nurse. Um, The admitting nurse. Did you have in mind that like, were they implying that there was a lesbian relationship there? Mm, No, I wasn't. Because like sometimes in these older movies, the way they talk about this stuff is so coded and veiled that like a lot of times like. I, I don't know what's going on because like I'm used to people just openly stating things but right, like right. because he says something like you know I just been I went to visit her and I also know why you're shielding her and like the this nurse kind of like it's a shocked and offended look on her, her face and starts clamming up and I'm like what the fuck are they talking about like but maybe it's just I know why you're defending her because she got railroaded by these these doctors and like you know she did it to save her job but obviously she's not working there anymore so she's like she's been punished enough maybe it's just that But like the way it was such a strong accusation is such a strong reaction. I'm like, what the fuck is going on here?
1: Um, I think the reaction was because, you know, someone who's changed their entire life to to avoid that, like she's gone to the trouble of hiding her uh, location, right? Doesn't tell anyone where she is so that she won't be asked questions and harassed would actually just talk to a lawyer. even before she talked to the nurse who was helping her, um, defending her is like kind of a slap in the face to that, to that nurse. Right. Mm. Hmm. I think that's why it was so shocking. I I didn't get anything about like a, some kind of illicit relationship.
0: Uh, I thought a lot of the courtroom stuff was fairly well-worn by today's standards. There was one, uh, there was one thing I really liked, which is the, the inversion of Paul Newman steps in, like you know, one of the classic things you've heard if you watch any kind of courtroom dramas at all is like you never want to ask a question on cross examination that you don't know the answer to. Yeah, because you're going to be shocked and flustered, and it's likely information that you don't want to know, that you don't want the jury to know about. And Paul Newman steps into that in the first place, where he's like thought, that, and he's talking about the anesthesiologist. He thought he had him dead the rights to rights, and started asking like innocent questions out of his own curiosity and oh, it turns out, you know, this this lady was anemic, and she's low oxygen anyway, so it doesn't take eight to nine minutes for her brain to die. It just takes two to three minutes, and that's why it's not blah, blah, blah. Um, then you see the defense attorney make the exact same mistake the next act, where um, he's got this lady, and like I, it, I thought it was cool, the inversion, but also, like, this guy was so cool and professional and good that it almost strained my b- belief that he would walk into this. Like there was so many flashing yeah. red. Cause he asked like three open ended questions that he did not know to answer to. And every single answer was worse. And like for him not to like, yeah. okay, let's just stop and let's stop, stop it there. Uh, but I don't know. Maybe he had confidence um, that he was going to get it thrown out. I guess that's the other thing is like, did the, did the judge have a change of heart or cause Paul Newman says um, when he's in his chambers like, you know, going at it with him said i know about you you were never much of a lawyer like you were not very good at the law and like maybe that hesitancy is when they're asking evidentiary rules and people are citing different cases and this guy's like fuck i don't know like i don't want to get this, i don't want to get disbarred for your dumb ass but on the other so maybe he's just uncomfortable with like they, he's actually having to be a judge and he couldn't quite do it he's he's more of a toady and a lackey than he is an actual justice
1: yeah, it could be. I, I will say I have the least read of any character on that judge. Like, he, he's a bit of an enigma to me. I, I think the reason that the defense attorney gets flustered in that moment is because he's so used to being in control of the situation, right? right he's got his sure. team of 20 legal experts, and he's got his spies, and he's got his news outlets, and he controls everything in these cases. Mm-hmm. So when something comes up that he doesn't control, you know he gets he he gets a little flustered there i i could see why that would be sort of a betrayal of like a character who should have so much experience in these situations but yeah cuz man they, know, they built him up
0: to be this formidable thing like i really love that scene where he's prepping the anesthesiologist for testimony and he's just like being root like you know uh no one in 20 years has talked down to this anesthesiologist and this defense attorney is like, no, no, no. Stop with the bullshit. Short, direct answers. When he gets what he wants, he like pats him on a cheek patronizingly and like, that's better. And, <laughs> you know, it's all, but slaps him in the face and like, you know, the, the, in, in coaching this guy. But I really like all that prep work. Cause they like, again, the guy's just is a tactical de- genius. When this one guy barely contained glee is like, Oh, he's got a, expert witness who's kind of like shaky on his credentials and best of all he's black and the guy like goes on his tirade about like well look we're, what we're not going to do is we're not going to make this about his blackness and we're not going to we're going to treat him like the same as anybody else and we're going to just talk about his credentials and stuff and he kind of trails off he's like all the same why don't we retain a black attorney to sit on our side of the table too just like <laughs> um, yeah just this- I mean
1: that's shitty also I don't believe that any of these fuckers know a black attorney in 1982 81 in, or in whatever boston? it is yeah i don't know i don't know yeah a black uh, attorney in boston with 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 the crowd i see in that fucking defense room yeah i mm-hmm, I mm-hmm, yeah. seriously doubt that any of them know anybody who's not 100 percent irish catholic like uh, if they do they play for the celtics that's, that's what <laughs> sure right <laughs> uh, I, I like those juxtapositions though that they do uh, several times in the movie because they also have Uh, Mickey sort of doing the same thing with their star witness, right? The Mm -hmm. is Dr. Thompson, Uh, the black doctor. Mm -hmm, Uh, mm -hmm. He's kind of running him through those paces as well. But it feels more like discovery for them. Like they're trying to understand what he's going to tell them as opposed to tailoring what he says to the case. Yeah, they're just not as good at it as a defense team. I have a random observation. I've never seen a person do this. I'm
0: gonna coin it turkey necking. Uh, uh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> Paul Newman turkey necks a beer can. He does. He just kind of tucks it, sticks his neck out, I've, tucks I've, it under. I've never, I've never seen a guy like do that. It's like <laughs> it feels like it, it like it enveloped it like a koozie. Yeah. And I don't know if I could pull it off the beard. It might make it too slippery. But yeah, he just kind of just just kind of just like a pelican, like a reverse pelican. Mm-hmm. He reverse pelicans the beer or turkey necks it. <laughs> uh, that. That's worth the price of admission. It's like when you see uh, Will Riker uh, mount a chair for the first time, like that's so next level. Like I'm trying to, I'm I'm trying to juggle beer cans and I got all, I got a a third appendage that I didn't even know could hold a beer can. Uh Good Lord. I learned so much from this man. That's, that's what, that's what
1: you learn from alcoholic out of Turkey, neck and beer. It's it's true. It's true. Uh, (laughs) I got, I got some random observations. How about those camo seats in the airplane? Did you, did you no, take a I look at notice. that airplane interior, man? Uh-uh, uh-uh. Holy no. shit. Like, the like you get kind of the textured stuff. You know how the walls of an airplane are, right? They'll have, like, a texture, but it'll be, like... It'll also have a pattern, and it'll be, like, I don't know, diamonds or something. It's very subtle. It's very tasteful. Not mm-hmm. in 1981, man. In 1981, they had what basically looked like... I don't know. Plaster walls smeared with the, the dirt of a hundred thousand disgusting children all putting their hands on the walls. The seats are fucking ca- just straight up camouflage seats. Yeah. I don't know what's happening. I thought that here. were
0: there, or were they like everything stained with nicotine? You know, For, this is both. the era where people smoked heavily on airplanes, <laughs> so just right. like, you know uh yeah it was yeah, horrible. That, that stuff can 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 get everywhere and stain mm. <laughs> I, I didn't see that i didn't
1: see the uh, 1980s uh air, airline before. it's bad and i flew in the 80s and i don't remember it looking like that mm. see i did
0: not i think the first time i ever took a commercial flight was 96
1: wow yeah huh must have been did, did you take it on your own like after you uh-huh. got out of the house. Yep. I was like 19. It's
0: okay. Like, that's when I flew to Hawaii. I flew myself on a FedEx plane. Wow. The L- LA to Honolulu
1: was on a Delta jumbo. That's wild. Cause my, the first place I flew to was Hawaii as well, uh, but I was young. I was very young. Yeah, uh, yeah. We lived in California. So
0: now my parents are dirt poor. We didn't do much. Like the only travel we did is uh, we drove down every summer to my uncle's dairy farm in Mobile, Alabama. Nice. We spent half the week and, on their fucking farm and then dad would splurge for a three-day uh, uh, weekend at uh, the Gulf Shores, Alabama uh, on, so we could get some ocean time in. Oh, yeah, okay. Didn't did yeah. do a lot of travel as as a kid. Yeah. Uh,
1: any other observations? I have like one more. Hit me with it. The, the best line in the movie, in my opinion, is when the judge is like taking over the interrogation of or the questioning of this witness and Paul Newman says, if you're going to try my case for me, I wish you wouldn't lose it. Holy mm. shit. <laughs> that is a lie. Yeah. 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 Good I thought job, that's Mamet. the
0: thing. It's like, um, I was really surprised that he didn't get like, cause when the guy's like screaming, I'm going to call the bailiff and have you this, that and the other's like, man, that's some pretty, like even a corrupt shitty judge. That's some, that's some, some strong talk that Newman was giving to him, but he doesn't. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's the thing is like Paul, Paul Newman through the vast majority of this movie just doesn't give a fuck. Um, not like, I mean, you can tell that he would feel really extra bad if he loses his case for his clients. Mm-hmm. But like, I saw how he was in the beginning of this movie. <laughs> You know, he, he he'd just become a he just become a bigger wreck of a human being. But it's not like, yeah, you know, three
1: eggs in the beer every morning. Instead right, of two. right, 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 right. Yeah, it's a three egg. Day. Yeah, it's yeah, a three, three egg 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 of days he would have would go would go up. Yeah, he would be cracking a whole dozen in there pretty soon. Uh, one other question I have for you. So he's wearing this is a nice touch, I think, from probably from Newman. Um, he's wearing his class ring. Like the entire mm. movie, I, noticed, I don't know if you uh, yeah. saw that, but it it makes me it, it sort of makes me think that he is yeah I don't know uh, trying trying to sort of I, I don't know have some nostalgia for that old life that he had right like I I get the impression that like this ring is probably from a prestigious. Maybe Ivy, Ivy League school. Um, he went to
0: Harvard, I think they said. He's in it? the Harvard Law Review. Yeah. Okay, so. that
1: makes a ton of sense then. Um, and you know, he's sort of still living as if those glory days, as if he remembers them fondly, even though he's so far from them, both time wise and also stature wise. Yeah, I also wondered if he um, it was also a nod to
0: his wife leaving him that like, you know, he'd won her wedding ring for a long time. He's got the dent on his finger and uh, like, yeah. you know, he takes off his wedding ring. He puts a class ring on just to kind of have something to wear in its place. Could be. But also, yeah, the, your interpretation is really good too. Like he's trying to just
1: regenerate, relive the, the glory, the glory years. There's one other moment that I enjoyed <laughs> when he goes to what the archdiocese and well i I can't remember exactly when it happens um there's a scene where he gets very excited about something and it's pretty early on in the movie and he goes out like into the parking lot oh oh it's after he meets with that doctor um who eventually goes off to the caribbean Uh, he goes in the parking garage and he the, when he steps away from that conversation, he's so excited about it that he grabs his crotch, he jumps in the air, and he shouts, <laughs> hmm. Mm-hmm. That's
0: just
1: gives a, a good, wild. Gives,
0: gives, gives a good whoopee. I mean, that's how devastating yeah. this guy's going to be to the case and how devastating it was to lose him, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just found that hilarious. Yeah, this guy's I'm talking a big game. Talking big game about how he's sick of these guys, and yeah, I want to take him out or a bunch of blah, 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 and then hope got to go on vacation. Oh, you know what? Yeah. I I actually, maybe it is that, like, the, the trial got moved up. So maybe there wasn't any corruption at all. It's just that, like, these guys knew his schedule and they know that, like, his housekeeper says, oh, yeah, he doesn't have a phone down in his. Island getaway. Maybe they just they they leaned on the judge to move up the trial so that it would coincide during his vacation and it'd fuck him out of it.
1: But I don't know. Maybe it doesn't. Because he arranged to meet that guy in the lockers at the hospital the night after or that night, and the guy just didn't show up. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh,
0: Because, like, I mean, obviously these people do do dirty shit and they pay people off and they make people disappear and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, all right, that's going to do it for our coverage of the verdict. The verdict is in. This is a pretty good movie. Uh, four stars from Ebert. It uh, won or no, it was nominated for five Academy Awards. Um, didn't win any, but it's very highly regarded. I, I, as I mentioned, it's top ten in the AFI like court dramas. I think it's number four. Uh, and it's a really good,
1: successful as well. But financially Budget.
0: successful. This is also kind of a landmark in Newman's career because I, I saw, kept on seeing in contemporary reviews, this is like the first kind of snot super hot hunk bursting with young energy role. This is like as a transition to old man yeah. Newman roles. Yeah, um, I went through a so-
1: Newman phase a little bit for a while, watching like some of his older stuff, like Slapshot and Butch Cassidy, that that stuff. Mm-hmm. And and you always get the flavor, like yeah, he's this kind of guy. He's a leading man, whatever. And then this movie came on my radar and I was like, oh, that's different. That is very right. different. Do you think the new top gun will be Tom Cruise's uh, gateway to old man movies?
0: <laughs> gateway to being we, old. We both remarked. <sighs> I know. That, like finally, finally the Scientology powers are waning and he's a little bit showing his age in this trailer. At least. Yeah. A little like, I don't think you can call He's no longer believably portraying early thirties. Yeah. That, he's that gotten Not the, not, but, but I don't know, like uh, maybe they're actually letting him look a little old because he's supposed to be old Maverick and he'll be back to 30 year old Ethan Hunt in the next Mission Impossible. But uh, yeah, we'll see this. But yeah, this was uh, his gatehood. The old man.
1: <laughs> it was it his was. transition. And I like him menopausal. as old man. I like him as old man as much as I like him as a uh, young stud Paul Newman. He's got a lot of good. He's got a lot of
0: good, rascal, old, old man stuff ahead of him. Uh, in this movie. So I hope you guys enjoyed it. We'll be back with another prestigious movie next week. Until then, I'm Aaron and I'm Jim. See ya.